Please take your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I was going to take a bigger chunk in 1 Timothy 5, and, but when you look at verses 3 through 16, I'm actually be able to cover verses 3 through 16, Lord willing, all those verses, most of the chapter, next uh, uh, Wednesday night, Lord willing. And then there's a f- some verses after that. That'll probably be the week bef- after that. We'll see how many we get through at that time. But I wanted to cover the, that big chunk I'm talking about along with verses 1 and 2 early on. But that was me just thinking, mm, I can cover a good chunk. But then when I just started looking at the text, I'm like, man, that's right. I want to I honker down a little bit in verses 1 and 2 with you guys because there's so much sublime truth there uh, that should impact our lives as Christians, should broaden our scope of understanding, enhance our perspectives, make us more and more grateful that we're children of God, and understand the resources we have as a family, uh, and a greater appreciation as being part of the family of God. And then also, on a practical level, I mean, how are we to live amongst one another as Christians, you know? Paul says, you do not need to be taught to love one another. In other words, that's something we should already know. We should already know how to treat each other because we're born of the Spirit and we, God's law is written on our hearts. And, but guess what? We can get in the flesh. We can get out of the Word. We can, we can become darkened. We can get jaded in so many ways because of the world. So we need these constant reminders in regard to how to love one another and what that means and what that looks like. But 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it's just very, very important scriptures because... Uh, in this section of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 basically is about relationships in the church and how Timothy, and by way of Timothy, us, as we apply this to our own lives, how he's to treat and how we're to treat various groups in the body of Christ, in the church. And that's why it's very, very practical teaching. Uh, a lot of Timothy is so far very theological, and we've looked at a lot of you know, application as far as how are we going to obey this. But this is just, you know... It's more of a theological statement, but I think when, a lot of times you can just look at the theology. The, the New Testament, Scripture doesn't give you a whole lot of, honestly, when you read it, doesn't give you a whole lot of application. It tells you what to do, and God's giving you the Holy Spirit, so you're supposed to act on it, you know? But uh, sometimes we need to just spell it out, though, because sometimes, like I said, we can get jaded, you know? Uh, you know, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That seems like there's a thousand one things you can learn from that. Because I just, you just go look, how does Jesus love his church? A lot of different ways, amen? But he wants you to think things through, amen? He wants you to meditate upon the scripture. He wants you to say, God, you know, how do I, you know, enact this in my life? Apply this to my life. So verses 1 and 2, it's great instruction. Uh, and, and the whole chapter is how to treat different groups of people in the fellowship. Let's look at chapter 5. And let's read verses uh, 1 and 2, 1 Timothy 5. 1 and 2, uh, to, and we'll read both verses, and then we'll go kind of take it, you know, phrase by phrase after we look at kind of a, I wanted to kind of attack this subject from a broader scope and then become more narrow in our focus as we proceed. Uh, but he says, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Do you realize how much is in that? If the church would walk in that, how pure the church would be, how beautiful the church would be. And I praise the Lord. We see a lot of this in this fellowship, but God wants to see more of it. And when you look, when I look at a passage like this, I'm just blown away because this is a family, you know? The name of this message I gave to Jonathan, I said, hey, we're going through 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, and told him the name of the message is we are a family, you know? And we are a family, man. And that's beautiful. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God takes a single person and puts him into a family, amen? And I know when I became a Christian, I realized, wow, now I don't just have one family. I have two families. And as close as I am to my family, it didn't take long before I actually became closer for some time, far closer to my spiritual family than to my physical family because they weren't born again yet. And I was seeking to lead them to Christ. But it was the cross before me, the world behind me. Though none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. Amen. That's what it's about. But man, I wanted to bring them all with me, of course. So I preached to them. I shared with them. Became, got saved at 18 years old and began sharing the gospel with them. And by the grace of God, not by me, not by me at all, 
But by God's grace, one by one, they began to come to Christ, as well as my closest friends. And then I was like, wow, now it's really awesome because my natural family is, is part of the kingdom of God as well. So I have, which is great, but you know what? I was prepared. I love them so much. My heart would break for them. I'd at times get on my knees and cry out to the Lord for them to be saved and so forth. But you know what? If they weren't going to come, I knew what my eternal family was. And the camaraderie and the brotherhood and the sweetness that I had with my brothers and sisters in Christ, even as a very brand new young Christian, there was something so tangible and beautiful about it. And when my, you know, siblings, and my mom and my siblings, all five of us, uh, we, everyone came to Christ. And eventually my dad, many, many years later, they came to Christ. And then their spouses, you know, came to Christ and many of their children, most of them, uh, that was super sweet as well. But what makes it sweet is that we're part of the family of God. Because I was in a family before I was a Christian. And my family, even though we had care for each other in a way, it wasn't anything like it was after we came to Christ and the difference God makes in our family. And you don't give up. That's one of the keys. You don't give up. I could have, man, I'm sharing with my family at first, and I know they all thought I was a Jesus freak early on, you know, because I'm like telling them, man, you guys need Jesus, and I'm sharing the gospel with them. I'm, my sister Patty, you know, I remember, you know, we were young. I mean, I just had turned right around 18, right? And, and, and Patty has Black Sabbath, and, and I'm saying, you need to take these posters down, man. They're totally satanic, you know? And she's like, <laughs> she had a lot of emotion, you know, young, young girl. <laughs> And she's like, ah, you know, we're just going back and forth. And, and I'm like, and my mom comes in, what's going on? I go, look at this, totally satanic. And, and she, she should take it down, man. She had Jim Morris and all that stuff, you know. And before that, I had all my Zeppelin and Hendrix, all that stuff up in my room. And, and my mom didn't make her take it down, but she made her cut the 666 out. There was 666, bloody Sabbath, bloody Sabbath. I don't know if you guys, it's the one where all these demons are sitting over this guy that's on a bed and there's 666, it's red, it's, I can remember to this day. And I'm like, well, that's a start, Lord. I'll take small victories, you know, for now, you know. But God ultimately has a changed heart. So you, you want to win lost people into the family of God. And the cool thing is the family of God is like psh, huge, you know, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions of people uh, strong uh, when you think of how many people can save through the years and combined with right now. But it's awesome to be a family. And then it's just a trip because then you see, you get brothers and sisters that come to Christ and the affection I have for them. I'm looking at, uh, you know, Mark, I love you, bro. You know, I can't pick everybody up. I'm just picking the guys, first one on this side, first one on this side. Joe Buck, Matt, Joe, you're my brother. I just love Joe, you know, and and I love Mark, and I love Joe, and I love all you guys. But there's such a sense of just love you get from your brothers and sisters in Christ, you know? Jeremy hugged you in the way in, and I saw you, but you were hugging, hugging my wife, you know? But I'm just like, I love this brother. It's so good to see him. It's family. And you know what? That's something that you don't have in the world because we have the same Father, the same Holy Spirit, the same Word, the same eternal home we're going to be in. Amen. It's just a trip because people I was not related to physically, I had a deeper relationship with them after I got saved than I did my own family before they got saved. Then my family's members got saved, and it was like a double, a double blessing. Amen? So we, we're a family, and that's huge. And if you're a Christian, you're a family. And, and if you're listening by way of live stream, you're part of that family. And I encourage you, we praise the Lord you're listening, and uh, we, we love you. And you're part of our family, you know. But recognize, too, you have brothers and sisters, and God wants to be around them to one degree or another. I mean, he wants to be together with them to a great degree, but to one degree or another, you need to find ways to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Whether it's by live stream or uh, even people in Simi Valley that are watching, and that and I know people watch in Simi Valley, you know. Come, come to the fellowship. A lady that got one of our flyers, and she said you got right with Jesus, and she'd been falling away for like 20 years. And uh, I'm not calling you out. They don't know your name. And, and it's a good thing. She's just, uh, she's, she says, I'm back with Jesus. She got one of our flyer pamphlets. Remember, we went door to door and we sent one to everyone. And she said, I came back to Jesus because of this. But I heard you saying, I need to get in fellowship more. And I thought, man, I'm right here and see me. I need to go to the fellowship. So she visited. So if you're still listening, we love you. Try to drop in more. 
And the more you do it, the more you love it. But it's just amazing because there's all kinds of folks that don't realize, man, I've got a family waiting for me. And I remember when I was a new Christian, and I went to a, a little church here in town and uh, met other Christians, and I didn't know who to, who, to, who to go with because you had the youth group, you know? And you had the, and I'm 18, so I just tr- became like an adult. But then you had the older folks and so forth. So I went to both, and it's important to be part of the family, not to segregate yourself with just one age only. We're all brothers and sisters. See, Paul is telling Timothy, as, a, as Timothy, an older young pastor, as a young pastor, that he is not, he's not to rebuke an older man. Amen. So Paul is telling Timothy as a, younger man, as a younger brother not to forget the older brothers. Amen. And that's what happens sometimes in a church when if you get a church, you get the youth group, and they just don't come to church anymore, then the youth leader isn't doing their job. Okay. Because he should be encouraging them to be in fellowship. Amen. Not to just hang out with kids their own age. And if older folks in the, in the fellowship aren't ministering to the younger folks, older sisters are supposed to minister to younger women. Titus chapter 2, amen? And they just ignore the younger women, and the older brothers aren't discipling the younger men and speaking their lives. There's also a problem there, amen? So we want to make sure that we mix it up, amen, in the family of God. Can you imagine if you had little babies and twins, and they're sitting there, and they're three months old, but nobody gives them any attention? No burping, no diaper changes. You get a mess, right? We also get a mess when we don't minister to one another and we don't cross ages. So it's important for you to look around and say, okay, I need to minister to not just a one little clique or one little group. And that's what I love about the fellowship. I've, I've never catered to just this person or that person. I just love everybody, and I want to love everybody. It's not even hard for me to do. I just see you, and I love you. Now, if you're cantankerous, you know, you haven't taken a shower for months, I'm still going to hug you, but I might go like this. Lord, help that person, you know. I'm teasing now. Nobody has not been taking showers for months. Uh, but we're just called to love each other. So it's amazing. Do not rebuke an older man. But I just read the whole text. So I want to look at this in, in a broader way first. Uh, and when you think about it, this is something that tripped me out. Because when I was a young pastor, you know, you look for passages to encourage married couples and you want to understand what's the scripture say about divorce, remarriage, all that. You want to make sure you don't get it wrong because there's all these different views, parenting, all these things. I did a whole series, by the way, one time called Principles of Parenting, which is, I don't know, 12, I don't know how many messages, it's a long series. You can still order that, Principles of Parenting. If you're a parent, get that series because, man, we just dig in scripture. But one thing I tripped out on, and I still do this day, is what family do you think that God talks about the most in scripture of any family? It's not our own personal families, husband, wife, children, parents. It's the church of God. It's the church. That's the main family. Do you understand that? That's the family that we're going to be with for eternity, and you need to sow in to that family. Go back to, since we're talking about Timothy, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Because two chapters earlier we read this, and I think it's important. Paul says to Timothy, but in case I am delayed, I write to you, I write that you what? Will know how one ought to what? Conduct himself in the what? I'm sorry, are you in 1 Timothy 3? But in case I'm delayed, I write to you so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the what? Household of God. Amen. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and support of the truth. You know? And I just was, when I was worshiping, I had to open the Bible because a scripture came to my mind that I didn't write down, but we're not going to go to it, but it's just really neat, and I went and looked at it, because it's a precious scripture where Paul says he bends his knee before the Father in heaven, and of, of which you know everyone, every family in earth, heaven and earth is named. God's a, God's a family. God is our Father. Amen? Amen. God, the, you know what the first commandment is in the Bible? A little Bible trivia. Be fruitful and multiply. First commandment in the scripture. And he, God wanted to broaden his family. Amen? Of course, his family fell into sin, but he paved the way of redemption. And so we have our Father God. Uh, as Christians, we belong to our Father. Uh, Abraham, we're, we're children of Abraham through faith. Amen? Okay. Uh, Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ or belong to Jesus, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Amen? So God chose Abraham. And then he, you know, not without going through all that history, we've been talking about some of the history because of Israel in the past, but when he chose Abraham, he decided that it was through Abraham and through the seed of Abraham that would come through uh, 
Israel that come through Abraham and then eventually through Judah, through Jesse, through King David and his line, Yeshua, the Mashiach. When Jesus would come, uh, he's a seed that all the nations of the earth could become part of the family of God. And that's, that's one thing I just love about God's word is he says not to hold his, his truth with partiality in James chapter 2, verse 1. We're not to be partial. In Christ, you know, we're all one, amen? In Christ, there's neither Scythian nor barbarian, you know, Jew or Greek, you know. Uh, red, brown, yellow, black or white. We all share the same blood. Jesus shared, shed his blood for each and every one of us, amen? So praise God. Uh, now, I love this, that when Jesus was like, hey, you know, Jesus, your mom, you know, your, your brothers and sisters are out there waiting for you. Like, come on, give some, your, your family's waiting, what are you doing? You know, or however, the, I don't know what the attitude was there, but it's kind of trip because the way Jesus responded. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Forever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. End quote, you know. Every, whoever does the will of my fa Father in heaven, amen. What's the will of the Father in heaven? Jesus says, it's the work of God to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who put their trust in Jesus, man, we are brothers, sisters, moms, dads. We're all part of the same family. And, and God wants you to get joy from that and to realize how important your family is. It should be very important. Your, your church family should be very important to you. That's why in Hebrews 10, he says, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but gather together all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching and stimulate one another to love and good works. Amen? So we're called to gather, but we're called to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. That's all so important. So we're all part of this amazing uh, family. Now, how should we treat one another? Well, Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. There's those different Greek words, right, for love. You know, eros, which is uh, romantic love, you know, between a husband and wife. Uh, agape, which is often used for divine love, not always, but often. Sold out kind of love. Agapao is the verb. Agape is the noun. Uh, and there's, of course, you know, storge, which is family love, Right? And the Word of God warns that people will be without family love in the last days. But that would even happen in the church, where brother would betray brother, Jesus said. We cannot let that happen. We have to keep our light shining, amen? The Bible says to be fervent in your love toward one another. So there's also phileo, which is, is brotherly love, amen? And the delphos, that's the Greek word used for brother throughout the New Testament. And phileo uh, is the Greek word for, for brotherly love. And we're called to agape, agape love. We're called to phileo love, brotherly love. We're called to storge, uh, family love. And all this should be a big part of our, as Christians, and here we are gathered together, this is something God wants us to meditate upon. Right? I love the prayer of the, you know, you know, the psalmist, you know, may the words of my mouth, Right? And the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen? So you want the thoughts of your heart to be God-centered, Christ-centered. Amen? And you want to do His will with your words and your walk. But not love only in word, but in deed. So we need to start treating each other as family members. Are you, as it says, and I love this, love one another, this is Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. God wants you to treat each other with brotherly affection. Now, he's talking about the ideal that you would have in your mind as to how a brother ought to treat his own brother. Amen? And how should a brother treat another brother of his from the same family? With tender care, with love, with concern, being there for him, going the extra mile? Well, God is saying that you and I need to treat each other as brethren. Amen? That means we're supposed to be treating each other as family. And it's important that we get our minds renewed and we don't just have a presupposition of what it means to be as a Christian. Well, a Christian, yeah, it's about belief and it's about having the right doctrines and so forth. That's a big part of it. But there's not just orthodoxy, there's orthopraxy. There's your practice. There's your application to orthodoxy, what God's Word says. And you need to be applying it. And that means we need to be renewed in our minds. Okay, these are my brothers and sisters. Now, you're not just supposed to leave out here. Yeah, those are my brothers and sisters. Great. We had a message that we're probably the family of God. Yeah, but what are you going to do about it? You're supposed to be treating each other as brothers and sisters. Amen? That means going the extra mile. 
I mean, Jesus said even to love your enemies. If they ask you for a coat, give them your shirt. So if I'm supposed to treat my enemies like that, how much more am I supposed to help my brothers and sisters in Christ? Amen? Because in Galatians chapter 6, I believe it's verse 10, it says that do good to everyone, but especially to those who are of the household of God. That means I'm supposed to be focused, especially, I'm supposed to do good to everyone, but I'm supposed to be especially focused on doing good to my brothers and sisters and loving their, them and being there for them. You know? And of course, it starts at home, the way you love people, you know? If you're just mean-spirited, cantankerous, evil person at home, but you come to church, you put on a smile and are nice once in a while, that's not going to cut it, man. You need to make sure that in your, in your, when, you, when you're laying down, when you're rising up, when you're driving, that your heart's right with God, amen? And that you, you, you ask for mercy for God, and you say, God, fill my heart with love. You say, Joe, I want to do that. I'm just not like, I, I, yeah, that's, guess what? Welcome to the human family. Welcome to the Adams family. We're all part of Adams family, amen? A horror show before Jesus came, amen? Now we're part of the second Adams family. Praise God, Jesus is the second Adam, amen? And he gives us new hearts, right? Where our life does not have to be a horror show. It ought not be as Christians. If anyone being Christ is a new creature, Amen? As a new creation, behold, old things have passed away, all things become new. Now we're able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're able to love one another, minister to one another, encourage one another. And I love seeing this. I love seeing my brothers and sisters before and after fellowship. I hear all the time, I talk, people talk to me about it. When I visit, we get visitors, and praise God, we have every, every week, it seems, we get visitors from uh, another, other towns, other states, other countries sometimes that are part of our live stream family. And it's beautiful, but I love that they trip out on the fellowship, that they just see everybody's like busy bees just loving each other. And it's like, it's thick, because I see it from here as I'm fellowshipping. Just, you know, fellowship be over some time, and I just see people loving on each other, fellowship with each other. But you know what I get to see a lot as well? I get to hear people in the fellowship saying, this person really blessed me. Joe, did you know who did this? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But they just get really blessed. And a lot of times they don't even know who blesses them. But people reach out to each other. They love each other. But we all should be in the business of blessing each other. Amen? And loving each other when we see needs. And sometimes it's just a text or a phone call or saying, hey, can I pray for you, bro? Or sister, right? Sometimes it's like, hey, can I get you some groceries? I know you're struggling right now, you know? Or just telling somebody that you care about them, you love them, and that you're there for them. We're just saying, hey, do you have any needs I can help meet, you know? This is the way we ought to be treating one another, amen? And we don't want to think as a fellowship that we've arrived because we have a lot of Jesus lovers here, you know? We want to grow. We want to get stretched. So if you're already thinking, yeah, I do those things, you want to say, okay, Lord, am I, can I do those things even more? Can I make part of my, you know, this year, can I make, and the rest of my Christian walk, can I focus on? Jesus said, what are you doing to these, my brethren? That's the sheep on the right. The brethren, the brethren. A lot of people take that passage and they treat it, they act like that's everybody. You know, like so-called, I don't say Mother Teresa, I say so-called Mother Teresa. She called the poor Jesus in his distressing disguise. The poor are not Jesus in his distressing disguise because there's sheep on the right, there's goats on the left. He said to the, both of them, the sheep on his right, and he said to the goats on the left, what you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, the sheep on the right, you've done unto me. Amen. And the Lord says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, he's not unjust to forget how we have ministered to him in ministering to the saints. Now that blows me away. That shows me that when I minister to my brother, this is really heavy when you think about it, guys. Get your brain around this, okay? I'm working on slowing down a little bit here so everybody can follow <laughs> And don't tell me this is not relevant to my life. Talking about Israel, yeah, Israel should be relevant to your life. You know, the whole the prophecies revolve around Israel and the world's about to go up in smoke at certain moments, you know. Nobody said to me that when I was talking about Israel, but I can just hear it sometimes, you know. Somebody's probably saying, oh, talk about what I'm going through. No, I'm going to talk about what the Word of God says. I'm going to preach the Word of God. If you happen to be going through something that relates to the Word of God or not, you should relate to the Word of God. Amen. Because it's the Word of God. Amen. And it's all written for uh, all scriptures profitable. All of it, not just some of it, right? 
for correction, for rebuke, for training in righteousness so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped, uh, perfect, telios, mature, for, and thoroughly f- equipped for every good work, you know. So God wants you to just uh, be challenged by his word, but I trip out on this. When Jesus says, what you've done at least, what you've done in the least of these, my brethren, not the goats, my brethren, you've done unto me. That blows me away when he says he's not going to forget how we've ministered to him in ministering to the saints. When the Apostle Paul is told by Jesus before he becomes the Apostle Paul, when he is Saul, the terrorist, persecuting Christians on the way to Damascus, and Jesus appears before him in this bright light, and he's blinded and falls down. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou who? Me. Who are they persecuting? Who is Paul having killed? Christians. He's right there persecuting Stephen. Guess what? That hurt Jesus. Jesus stood up. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But when you go to Acts chapter 7, it's Stephen, the first, he's the first martyr. Second martyr was uh, that we read about in Scripture after Stephen. We're talking about New Testament church martyr. Okay? Second martyr was an apostle. That was James. Uh, uh, James was uh, the apostle, you know, brother of, of John, was a second martyr. But it's interesting when he's being put to death, man, Jesus steps up at the right hand of the Father and beholds him. And, and the Holy Spirit gives Stephen a vision of that. And it says that God's people are the apple of his eye. You ever try to poke someone in the eye? You ever been poked in the eye? The last one you want to poke in the eye is Yahweh. Because he's a consuming fire. And he's jealous over his people. Amen. Amen. We have an awesome God. But he recognizes his family. And by the way, you don't want to mess with his people. You know? Because we're his children. So you want to treat his children right. And that's why in these first two verses here, Paul is encouraging how you were to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, 1 Peter 4, 8, 9 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. Wow. Because love covers a multitude of sins. That means we should be forgiving each other. Because it's families, what happens? A lot of families are dysfunctional. Okay? God shows us as a church how not to be dysfunctional, but you're going to get people because of the fallen sinful nature in the church. Okay? And sometimes the flesh is going to rear its ugly head, and you're going to have to deal with that in the church. But you deal with that anytime anybody falls short, you give them the right foot of disfellowship. Bam! You're out of here. No, you don't do that. You love them. Now, if someone's in rebellion and they refuse to repent, of course, then you give them, you know, not the right foot of disfellowship. You say, hey, if you're not going to be right with God, man, why are you even here, you know? But it's interesting because Peter says, uh, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I did a message a couple years ago or so on hospitality. And that's a subject worth studying because we're supposed to just you know, show love to each other in very practical ways. Your house should be open unless for some reason you can't open it to other brothers and sisters. It should be a place where you uh, can minister. You say, Joe, you don't know where I live, man. I live in a tree fort. Well, invite somebody who likes tree forts over, man, you know, and have some hot chocolate or something. I don't know. But uh, some of you aren't in a situation maybe to do that, but use your resources to bless other people. Amen. That's important. We're to love one another. Jesus said in John 13, verse 14, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So man, we're, Jesus laid his life down, amen? So he calls us to this incredible amount of love, not just offering hot chocolate in your tree fort, right? He's talking about laying your life down for people, Amen? That's something the, the kind of love the world doesn't have. The world has a lot of stuff, a lot of temptation, a lot of seduction, a lot of things that we don't have, amen? But you know what we have that trumps all that the world has to offer? We have Jesus, man. We have the love of Christ. When I mentioned in last Sunday, when I met my wife, well, I knew my wife from high school, but barely, and I talked to her probably, I just had a couple of hellos prior to that, but when I started seeing her, and I said she was in Cocaine Anonymous and Alcohol Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and at least those three. Uh, and I said, baby, you need not a 12-step program. You need the one-step program, Jesus, you know. And she just quit all that, and, just, and God sanctified her life. But, you know, she became part of the family of God. 
And she got resources and strength and encouragement from other uh, brothers and sisters. And when Peter says this, he says to show this love, hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know? And I appreciated that when I was discipling her, that she wasn't grumbling. <sighs> Why does God want me to quit smoking? You know, why does God want me to just, you know? No, she was like, I just want to serve God. And if we're all willing to do God's will, recognizing it's, it's a blessing to do His will, amen? Trust and obey, man. And when you obey, you're blessed. That's when you're blessed. When you're disobedient to God's word, that's when you're not blessed, amen? And Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. I love this. Check this out. God doesn't really want us to compete with each other spiritually, but typically, you know? Remember James and the apostles were arguing about who was the greatest? And that was just, that broke Jesus' heart. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And when he says, love one another like I've loved you, he also demonstrated that two chapters later in John chapter 15 by washing their feet. Remember that? But he's God. So if God's bowing down and washing their feet, he says, I've given you an example. Happy are you if you do likewise. Brothers and sisters, if you're not serving one another, if you're not washing others' feet, I mean that metaphorically. Now, if someone's got really dirty feet, Praise the Lord. Wash their feet. Help them out, you know. Right now we laugh, but we might be in the tribulation. It's like, hey, this is a real practical verse now. I can just see what it means, you know. In those days, man, you were walking through dirt, mud, sandals, with sandals, excrement. Feet got really, really, really bad. And it could be kind of a, a bummer deal. So when they went to the upper room, oftentimes you have a servant, and that was his job. Servant would wash everybody's feet when they came in. If there's no servant there, guess who's supposed to wash each other's feet? Whoever shows up first. And I don't know who that was. Who do you think it was? Some are thinking, nah, it's probably Peter. Some, nah, John. No, I don't, he's younger. He's thinking, we don't know. I'm glad we don't know. Because they're arguing about who's the greatest, you know? And Jesus washed their feet. But he said, happy are you if you do likewise. You want to be blessed? You want to be happy? Recognize you're in the family of God. Be thankful that you've been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord, the Bible says, say so. Tell God, thank you. Amen. Praise you, Lord. And then obey him because you're blessed when you obey. And the happiest Christians, the most joyful Christians by far and away are those who are serving Jesus. I can tell you that right now. I know that, man, from experience. When I go on mission trips, when I go street witnessing, when we just went passing out tracks recently, right? When we just church car wash, which we haven't done those in a while, and we pass out goodies and stuff. Or just when I'm hearing people constantly and we share together, it's the Christians that are serving that are just all excited. The Christians that are like, how come most people don't reach out to me more? And they don't get the salt out of the shaker or the lamp, the light beyond the lamp, you know, under the, from the bushel. They're going to be bummed out more because they're not giving. Jesus is better to give than to what? Receive. Go out and just give. Don't worry. I'm telling you right now, if you seek the, first, the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, you just become a doer of the word, amen, and not just a hearer only, and you just do the word and you reach out to others, you love one another, you're going to get plenty of love. But don't expect all that love to come from human beings because humans will let you down. But God's love will just shine on you, amen? And, you know, I, I, was, when I was a young Christian. I didn't know any Christians, but I still had the joy of the Lord. Oh, I had an ache in my heart because I wanted to see people saved. Jesus is called the man of sorrows. Amen? Yet it says he, was, he, was, uh, he had joy above those of his companions, Hebrews 1. The Bible says rejoicing or sorrowful yet rejoicing, you know? And in Proverbs, you have it kind of both ways. You could be mourning but rejoicing, but you can be rejoicing. And you still have an ache in your heart and want to see people lost. Amen? People are complex. God made us very complex. Uh, it's really interesting, though. So you are ministering to Jesus when you reach out to other people. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You're, you're going to share his joy, you know. Now, it's interesting because uh, the Bible says in Proverbs, as, one, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Amen. So that's why we need each other, man. And I'm, when Eli and Justice, two of my grandboys, got uh, Russell and Grant, too, and uh, a couple granddaughters, you know, uh, Ariella and Galilee. But when Russell and, uh, I'm sorry, Eli and Justice, they both like to wrestle. Chad's a wrestler. And they mix it up a lot, you know. Uh, they both have their own talents. They both are really, really good, actually, for their size, you know. 
I'm getting older, so if I want to whip up on someone, I wrestle these guys, you know? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But they mix it up also. They get verbally upset with each other sometimes. There's brothers, right? Close in age. And, and sometimes they have a thing with each other, man, and they'll bark at each other. They'll say something to each other. And, well, he said that because of this pop-up. And, and, well, he did this to me when I was younger, pop-up. And sometimes, I mean, I just loved it the other day. I just, just uh, Eli come running across the you know, living room and just jumped on the chair where Russell is and, and he starts wrestling him and they're laughing and having a great time. But other times it's like, one's got a bloody nose and he's angry or whatever. And, but sometimes they want to hold it in, you know. But you know, I go to the scriptures to them and I have a devotion when they're not getting along. And they know certain scriptures by heart, you know, because certain scriptures, man, I drill into them. Uh, and Proverbs seven seventeen says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Uh, another translation says it another way. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. But the scripture I use when we're driving, say they're arguing a little bit, you know, not that they argue all the time, but they have their moments, is I'll say, hey, a brother is born for what? And they all know, adversity. What does adversity mean? You know? And then I give them, that means hard times pop up, or, you know, when you need help. Yeah, amen, you know? And uh, we have those talks, and well, what does that look like? You know, are you really helping each other right now? Are you, are you sound like each other's enemies? You don't sound like you're really helping each other. Forgiveness, love, encouragement, you know. I go, you're going to stand before God and give an account for how you treat your brother, you know. And then, you know, there's, we all should be aware. There's Cain. How did he treat his brother? The Bible says Cain was of the evil one. Amen. In fact, 1 John 3.12 says, we're not to be as Cain, who was of the evil one, of Satan, and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because of his own, his own deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. Because he was evil, he was of the evil one, and he was jealous of his brother. Love your brothers and sisters, amen? Don't envy them. Don't be jealous of them. Pray for them. If you've had a hard time with regard to how some of them may have snickered at you or said something to you or rolled their eyes at you or whatever, love them and pray for them, Amen? Every day, I always say, everybody's going to get a knife in their back from someone, and probably several through your lifetime, amen? But if you go on, if you go around constantly look, trying to look at your back and, 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 and opening that wound over and over again instead of forgetting those things that are behind, amen? If you forget those things that are behind, you reach for the goal that's in Christ. That's where the joy is. Every one of us is going to be let down, even by our brothers and sisters. That's why we need to love each other and forgive each other as Christ has forgiven us, Amen? And I love this because we're called to bear each other's burdens. And listen to this. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing with one another, because we're family. Bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So if you have a complaint against somebody in the fellowship, you're like, yeah, you know, this brother or this sister or that. I already read a passage where it says, Above all, love, love your brothers and sisters, right? Fervently. For love covers the multitude of sins. So if you have a complaint against a brother or sister in the fellowship, he says, forgive them. But Joe, what if it's not just a complaint? What if it's an ongoing thing that this brother, he saw where I lives and he's been having problems with finances and he's been siphoning my gas tank and I've caught him three times and he keeps coming back. You ever do that for your Christian? Jimmy? We would have ran together, Jimmy. You, you, he actually was my wife's Lisa's drug dealer, so that's why she needed Narcotics Anonymous, now that I think about all that, Jimbo. Wow. <laughs> hey, Cocaine Anonymous, you know. No, he was a drug dealer, but he got saved right, after, right around the same time she did, you know. And uh, now Jim's leading people to Christ, you know. But Jimmy was a drug dealer, but yeah, you, Jimmy, Jimmy's like, why did I raise my hand? <laughs> Jimmy's the only one besides me that used to just <laughs> suck on those hoses until you get the gas going. <laughs> This is dumb kids. We were lost, you know, punk kids, you know. Last week, Jimmy still does it. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> no, no, he didn't say that. Uh, Jimmy got right with God. He's never done that since. But, uh, but let's say somebody's doing something terrible and they keep doing it. Well, then you need to go to them and, and, and lovingly rebuke them, you know. Uh, confront them with their sin. If they don't repent, bring one or two brothers. They still, he's back in your yard. He's siphoning again. You might also say, hey, bro, just ask me. I'll, you know, I'll try to give you a little bit of money for gas, but you need to stop stealing. Amen? You might try to help him out in some way. 
But then if he doesn't listen, then he bring for the fellowship, bring the leadership and of the church, and the church uh, hears it, and then that person is confronted by the church, and if he doesn't repent, he's got to go. Uh, I love 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know? Uh, now, it's easy to tear people down. How do you tear people down? What's a good example? Just briefly, just a few words. Just what, How do you tear people down? What's that? Be condescending toward them. That's true. Yeah. With your words, you can rip them down, saying mean-spirited things, right? Uh, glorifying or bringing up their failures and rubbing it in their face. Snide remarks, right? Uh, uh, stuff with innuendos, you know? Maybe it's an innuendo where uh, there's a double meaning, you know? Or you say something because you're jealous of somebody or you're upset with them or you whatever reason. You're not, we're not supposed to do that. The Bible says not to speak evil of your brothers, and the Bible says to encourage one another. Amen? And the Bible says to build them up. Paul says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only use those words that are fit for what? Building your brothers up, for edifying. And the word edify is connected to the word in the English, edifice. It's a building. It's so much easier to break things, destroy things. It takes a long time and a lot of work to build, say, a really beautiful, elaborate sandcastle on the beach. But it just takes a matter of seconds for some bully kid to come by and just kick it down, all the work a few other kids have done. And that's the same way it is in the body. We're building people up in Christ, but the Bible says one sinner can cause much harm. Do not let evil come out of your mouth. Don't do that, you know? In, in, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus warned that if you cause just one of the little ones to fall, it's better that a huge millstone be hung around your neck, you'd be thrown in the depths of the sea. That's serious stuff. Huge millstone. Those millstones could weigh a ton or two at times. Can you imagine a 500-pound millstone or just a 1,000-pound millstone even hung around your neck, being brought onto a ship, and then it's pushed off the sea and it's chained around your neck? That'd be a terrible way to die. Jesus says, better for you to suffer that than to cause people to fall. And that relates to a lot of things in the Scripture that we need to be aware of. Uh, but So you want to make sure you encourage each other and not causing people to fall. Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, listen to this one. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. You want, you want the Lord to be with you? Then that's how you need to walk. That's how you need to operate. Amen? Amen. Now, it's interesting when I was saying that God doesn't typically want us to compete with each other and the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, there is one way we're supposed to compete with one another. How is that? Listen to this. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. That means you should try to outdo everybody else in honoring people. I love that Paul gives us that because it's showing me that there's a deficiency in regard to giving honor to others. And that means putting them in a high place. Paul in Romans 12 says, esteem others higher than yourselves. Wow. And he also says in that same chapter, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. That, doesn't, that's, that shows me that we don't have a self-esteem problem. We have a high esteem problem or low self-esteem problem. We have a high self-esteem problem. I've seen the statistics too. If you look, ask criminals if they deserve to be in prison, usually they'll say no. <laughs> if you ask people, if between 1 and 100, where would you put yourself as a driver? They'll always put themselves almost, everybody's going to put themselves at least over 50%, almost. Everybody can't be over 50%. If you're grading on a curve, someone's got to be at the 1%. Nobody's like, oh, I'm the 1% guy. It's just me. No. It's just like, well, I'm 70 or 80. Put, no. Not, and it's that way also in, with regard to life is people just, Think of themselves more naturally, more highly than they ought often. That's typically a problem. So that's why Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because you already love yourself. If you didn't love yourself, he wouldn't say that, right? Because we already have an inordinate, an inordinate amount of self-love. Now, it's interesting. As the family of God, we're called in Galatians 6 to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man, I'm not under the Old Testament law, but we talk about how we're under the New Covenant law. 
And the New Covenant law is summed up in, you know, in bearing one another's burdens and loving one another. So I just love the fact that, man, I am so glad, thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to remember to keep 613 laws in the Old Testament. Especially when you see some of those laws, right? Some of you are like, oh, it's not that hard. Really? Have you been circumcised yet? <laughs> oh, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to do it, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> some of those laws are pretty tough, you know? Uh, but I want to encourage you because we're supposed to uh, bear one another's burdens. So when you, that means you're praying for each other. That means sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing your burden too. It's not just, you can't expect everybody to just read your mind. Oh, how come they didn't share my burden? Well, they might not have known you had a burden, you know? That happens a lot of times. People don't understand what people are going through, you know? I was just talking to a sister today, and uh, she was sharing a burden, and she didn't know. Uh, she, people didn't know what she was going through, you know? And I let her know. I go, I go you know, I mentioned myself and a few others who'd reached out to her, and she knew that and loved on her. And, uh, and she's good, but she was like, I go, but not everybody knows what you're going through. you got to let people know when you're going through something, you know. And that's, you know, true of all of us at times. If you're really going through something, ask for prayer, amen? Now, if you come up to me and say, Joe, I've asked 17 people for prayer in the church, and they all just turned away from me. I said, pray yourself. I'm not going to believe you. <laughs> I'm just not. And by the way, we have Sunday service, man, with Steve and, and John and, and, and Chad and myself, Elders, we're all up here ready to pray for anybody that needs prayer, need a little bit of counsel, you know, need a set of counseling appointment or what have you. And we're always here. But it's not just us. I love the fact that a lot of times, because a lot of people stay afterwards, you'll see people praying here, there, different places. And when we pray up here, sometimes people say, hey, can I pray with you guys? We love that, you know. We're supposed to pray for one another, not just the elders. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. So now let's go. Uh, don't go there, but Acts 2.42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the, and the fellowship, and a breaking of bread and prayers. What have we done? We prayed off and on tonight before worship. We prayed before the, the message. Uh, we prayed, uh, we'll pray after the message. Different people probably pray in different ways before they leave here. Uh, we also, uh, you know, we, we sang worship songs. We're, we're having fellowship with each other. We're looking at the apostles teaching. Amen. Apostle Paul, Timothy. So this is, we're doing the biblical things. This is part of being a family. So I want to commend you. Here you are. You're doing great. If you couldn't make it, well, here you are by way of live stream. That's still a beautiful thing because you, you're doing what you can and you're getting in the word. That's important. Now let's look a little bit more closely at chapter 5, verse 1 uh, and 2. As you know, Paul is addressing uh, those who are old and those who are young in verse 1. Uh, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him what? as a father. So that means, and, and, and Timothy, being a younger man, might you know, forget the older men in the fellowship. Or, uh, and, but he's told, don't rebuke an older man, but treat him as a what? A father. Now, you young brothers and sisters in the fellowship, the older men in the fellowship, and don't count me as that yet. I'm not gray yet, you know. <laughs> But you're supposed to treat them as, a, as fathers. In other words, you're supposed to be affectionate. How would you treat a loving father? You would be, you know. In fact, well, what does the scripture say? Uh, well, we know we're made in the image of God. Amen. All of us, male and female, right? Uh, in Exodus 20, verse 12, look what God says about just fathers in general. Honor your father and your mother. Amen. That your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God, that the Lord God has given you. Ooh, honor them. That's just honoring fathers, right? Uh, then he says in Proverbs 16, 31, the word of God says, a gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. So a gray-haired man, it's a lot of times, it means, guess what? Wow, he's lived a long time. And typically that means he's got some wisdom, amen? But of a spiritual man with gray hair, uh, specifically who's seeking Jesus, uh, that would be found in the way of righteousness. Proverbs 30, 17, the eye that mocks the father and scorns a mother the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. Wow, that's judgment. Leviticus 19.32. You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. Wow. You shall what? Rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged. Brothers and sisters, we're supposed to rise up and honor the aged. Amen? 
trying to look around for people with gray hair, man, and give more honor and glory. You know, Jimmy, you're getting there, man. I got my beard there. My wife, somebody's like, why don't you shave, one of my sisters, why don't you shave your, 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 you know, your beard, you know, you look younger. I'm like, because I want the young people to rise up when I come in. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I've teased my kids like that before, but, but I don't know. Why? Because my wife kept making me, wouldn't let me get rid of my mustache. That's the truth, you know. Like, okay, I'll grow something else. It's been that mustache for like 25 years. And online, it's like, the guy with the mustache. Now, I'm not kidding. He looks like one of those porn star guys. Because look at his mustache. I'm like, Lisa, I'm starting seeing that. A lot of people were making, a, they, a Jim or Foxworthy, who's that comedian? I'm, I'm spinning, they sold their souls backwards. And someone put that up. They got tens of thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views, I think. And I'm like, and I'm like, it's not even ours. We never even made him take it down, but there's all these like secular people because it's not even one of our sites. And it's like, and you're getting a, he looks like Foxworthy. And, and uh, he looks like, and I'm like, Lise, I think I want to get rid of my mustache, you know? <laughs> and she's like, I love your mustache. Okay, I'll keep it and grow some beard, beard face, you know? So Leviticus. <laughs> but this is the deal. If somebody calls you old, say, okay, that means you need to get up when I come in the room. And uh, that's, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, but there's a reality there that po- folks that are older, we should be showing honor and respect to. Now, we live in a culture where the old are discarded, where babies that can't defend themselves are obliterated in the womb, right? And we talk about, and especially in Europe, right? And they've been trying to work that, the Kevorkian thing over here, too, where, oh, they're just disposable, you know, get rid of the old folks. And man, man in other cultures, like in you know, some of the Asian countries and so forth, and and in Middle East and different parts, the 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 aged are have been honored through the years, amen. And but things get twisted and they get backwards. Well, we don't need the old folks anymore. We got AI. Well, you want to know where that's going to get you? Read Revelation 13, when the image of the beast causes everybody to take a mark. That's where the AI is ultimately going. But John, Job 32, verse four and six. Now Elihu it says in verse four, Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were years older than he. So that was the culture in biblical times. He wasn't just a young guy just saying, this is the way it is, guys. He was like, he waited for the other guys to talk. And by the way, let no one despise your youth because he actually had more wisdom a lot, a lot of times than the older guys when you check out the scene. But he waited. He was humble. So he recognized, you know, to treat with honor older folks. And we need to do that in our fellowship. Amen. We not, not just in our fellowship, but we need, you need to show respect at your work. People that are older, recognize they've been around a while and and they might have some wonderful things to encourage you and say to you. Uh, if your parents, treat them with respect. If you're a younger person, praise God, you know. That's very, very important. So, uh, by the way, uh, okay, let's go there again. First Timothy uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Uh, we read, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather what? Appeal to him as a father. And the Greek word for rebuke there is... Uh, can be tra- can be used of a violent, just a violent rebuke, you know, and that's not how you're supposed to treat old men. Doesn't mean that you don't bring correction every. If there's an older brother in sin, you need to lovingly go to him, but treat him as a father, because look at First Peter five, First Timothy five twenty, same chapter, just a little bit later. Those who continue in sin, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest of all, uh, the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Wait, Joe, I thought you said you're supposed to go privately, then bring one or two, then go be free for the church. Well, yeah, this is if they what? If they sin or continue to sin. Someone who's continuing to rebel and doesn't repent. So older or younger, but it wouldn't be a brash, mean-spirited rebuke to an older man, right? In fact, you're supposed to correct even those that get into false teaching, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, with gentleness, amen? Hoping that God will win them back. That's important. So chapter 5, verse 1 it says, and to the younger as brothers. And i got to go through this a little bit because I don't want to do a whole other teaching on verses 1 and 2. So let's speed up just a little bit. But in the second part of verse 1, it says, to the younger men, you're supposed to treat them as what? As brothers. Amen? This is important. Because how do you treat a family member? You're loving. You, should, you ought to be ideally loving toward them, caring, concerned about their welfare. You know, if my sister, uh, my natural sister, uh, Kathy or Peggy or Patty or my brother Tom in the natural was going, I heard that they were just, you know, dying of cancer or something, God forbid. I would reach out and show some concern, amen? 
Well, guess what? If your brothers and sisters here are going through something very severe, we all can't reach out at the same time because we all got a thousand one things we're doing, but we ought to be reaching out to each other like brothers, like there are brothers and sisters. Amen? Do you hear me? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because we are brothers and sisters. And actually, these are your eternal brothers and sisters. Amen? It's so, so beautiful. And uh, in fact, go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. All who are under the yoke as slaves. Now, slaves were just, that was crazy if you were enslaved because you were a dentured servant or what have you. You had to pay back a huge debt or you were a slave for life even. Uh, all, because we're not just dealing with Israel's laws with the indentured servant and six years and seventh you're free. You're dealing with Roman slavery here, which could be for all sorts of reasons. And, Paul, and some of them couldn't get out of that yoke. If you could be set free, Paul said be set free. But here he says, all of who are under the yoke as slaves are to be re- regard their own masters as what? Worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. You want to be respectable, Amen. And also to ordain, the, uh, uh, just to uh, adorn the doctrine of God. Verse 2, those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren. Because what? They are what? Brethren, but must serve them all the more because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and prescribe these things. This is why the New Testament, man, the gospel just spread like wildfire because they were seeing heart changes, attitude changes. Slaves with masters, treating them as their brothers and just loving them, and just not doing what they ask, but going above the call of duty, that was winning masters to Christ, right? And, and, lead, and those who had slaves, treating them as brethren. And guess what? If you're a born-in Christian and you've got a slave and, you're, and he's a brother, guess what you're probably going to end up doing eventually? Set him free. And so you have slaves that were set free because their master became a Christian. Uh, it just... So beautiful. And I'm saying there should be tangible ways that we're treating each other that the world should be able to see is different in your neighborhood. They get wind of it. What are you doing? Well, I'm going and helping this person. They just see a difference, and that ought to be seen in our fellowship. Amen? So Peter warned. Uh, Peter wanted uh, to commend Silvanus, and he called him a faithful brother, 1 Peter 5.12. And Paul wanted the church to welcome Phoebe, uh, and he called her our sister, Romans 16, 1. I love that. Now let's look at verse uh, 2. The older women are treated as what? As mothers. Amen? As mothers. You're supposed to treat the older women as mothers. So that means that there's older women in the fellowship. Well, this woman is cantankerous. Well, a lot of mothers are. We're supposed to treat them with respect as your mother. Amen? Right? Still supposed to love on them. You know, you know what I do when I drive down the street sometimes? And sometimes, you know, there'll be a lady that just like, and it's harder now because I'm getting older, but women used to always be older than me when I was younger driving. And I'd think of my mom because if I get cut off by a lady, I'm like, okay, that could have been my mom. Don't freak out. So instead of, you know, going and screaming, I just, back in those days, they had the rubber bumpers, so I just give them a little tap. You know, no, I didn't do that. You know, <laughs> I used to do that to my wife, pull behind her. You had the rubber bumpers. I'd give her a little tap if we're driving together. And she'd be like, I go, let's be, oh, good. Why do you do that? Um, I'm a sinner. No, just kidding. That's not, I don't, I don't count that as sin, you know. And I don't make excuse for sin. I just had fun. But verse 2, the older women as mothers. So you want to treat them as mothers. 2 Timothy 1.5, it says, Paul writes, For I am mindful of, your sincere, of the sincere faith within you. He's talking about Timothy, which was first, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. I love that he honors his mother and grandmother. Paul honors Timothy's mother and grandmother, makes mention of them by name, and saying they 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 did a lot. Timothy, they're the ones that brought you up in the faith, and that's how you honor people. You know, you give thanks and you, you praise God for them, and and you recognize what they've done. And what did Jesus do at the cross in John chapter nineteen? When he was dying for our sins, he had the presence of mind to say, John, behold your mother. Amen. In other words, John, you're, I'm going. You know? You're going to treat her like your mother. Amen. That wasn't his mother. Guess what? The older women in your, the fellowship are not your mothers, but treat them as mothers. Amen. Annie, we love you. You're a great sister and mother. So praise the Lord. Uh, if... <laughs> If I start picking out certain ladies, Annie, I'm going to get in trouble. 
I'm not old enough to be your mother. I'm thinking, who's old enough to be my mother here? Well, I think I'm like old enough to be your younger brother now. I just caught up to you practically. But Annie, man, Annie's been like a mother in our church. She's been like a mother hen, man. You get out of line, man, Annie's coming after you. You know, <laughs> you have a need, you know, or something, and Sonny and Annie, man, open their home, you know, for so many years to different people. Lenny lived there for how many years? 20, he was the easiest guy to live with in the world, though, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and Lenny was a pretty easy guy, but I'm sure you guys had your moments. But it's just treating each other like family. And I love that about Sonny and Annie, you know, blesses my heart. Somebody moved to another state, they're just going on one of their vacations. Oh, we're going to stop and visit so-and-so, you know, just show them some love. You know, people have been gone for years. I love that about you guys, you know. It's just family. That's how we're supposed to be as a family. Now, chapter or verse 2, the last part. Of the elderly women as mothers then, and the younger women to treat as what? Sisters in all purity. Now, I've just made a decision up here. I thought about it, but I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't sure. And that is... You know what we need to have? It's treat treat the, 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 the ladies in your fellowship as your what? Sisters with all purity. I haven't done a message on sexual purity in a while. I mention it all the time, but I need to do a message on it. Would you be upset with me if I talked about being sexually pure? Yeah, don't do that, Joe. Don't, please. Don't see me in trouble. Watch out. You know, um, you know people struggle with pornography. They struggle with all kinds of things. And this is such a powerful verse. Uh, so I could just go through it in a minute and a half, two minutes, or I could talk about this, the importance of being pure. Do you think that's probably needed in, in a fellowship? It is. So I'm, I'm going to just deal with that next week because I thought, you know what? I, I had some things I wanted to say about that, but I thought, you know what? This probably deserves an entire message. Amen? And uh, it's because I love you guys. We need to talk about these family things. And Guess what? If every brother treated his uh, sisters in Christ as sisters, like they would treat their little sister with purity, we wouldn't have all the sexual scandals that are going on all over the place in churches. Amen? So in an effort to encourage this fellowship and that we can be a pure fellowship before the Lord and not have scandals in our fellowship, I'm going to teach on that verse. How's that sound? Okay, praise the Lord. All right, could we all please stand?